You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, March 30th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for... Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for exclusively Padres-centric content. Thank you for making Lockdown Padres, guys. Your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And on today's show, it's a fun little mailbag. Well, not a mailbag, but it's the type of episode you get when you do a mailbag, which is that it's a bunch of questions kind of all over the place. And the main thing I want to be focusing on, guys, is Mackenzie Gore. Not necessarily... The ultimate encompassing, you know, prospect breakdown. You guys can go check out my interviews with RM Layton and with Lindsey Crosby from not too long ago. But just talking about him because he's been having a hot spring. All right. We're going to be talking about hot springs, I guess you could uh you could call today's episode, all right? We're also going to be talking about Jorge Alfaro, what it means for him doing really well, the Padres trading for Matt Beattie, what that could potentially mean, and then looking ahead to the rotation and kind of figuring out, you know, like I said, whether or not Mackenzie Gore should be there. Mike Clevenger had an interesting start that I want to talk about. Um, just a lot of fun questions, and then maybe end it off with a little Trent Grisham talk, because who doesn't like talking Trent Grisham? So let's begin, guys. First, let's talk about... The thing that happened today, which was Mike Clevenger really quickly, and I think that this is worth talking about just because it is it is a thing that happens every spring training, and it is a thing that I think people overreact to, you know, with the season starting next week. Mike Clevenger today against the Giants, he went one and two-thirds innings, giving up eight earned runs on seven hits and three strikeouts. That's an ERA of 43.2. <laughs> that part doesn't matter, but uh, it wasn't great. But I do think it's worth being talked about the fact that Mike Clevenger, who probably deserves an episode all to himself if we're we're being honest. So I might save that for next week before the season kicks in. But um, I'm not overly concerned. I don't think you should freak out. I think that there is always a pitcher in Major League Baseball that is expected to be a legitimate type of like quality arm that goes out in spring training and has a disaster start. Uh, it could be any of them. Jacob deGrom. The velocity dropped on him uh, recently. That's been a little bit of a storyline. Last year, Garrett Cole got absolutely destroyed in a spring training outing. Um, so I'm not like overly like concerned about this. I just think that you know one thing you should be concerned with with Mike Clevenger is, in fairness, that he is coming off the Tommy John surgery, and I don't think that. If you're a Padres fan, you have to keep in mind that there's probably going to be an innings limit here. This isn't a guy that's necessarily going to carry you throughout the whole year. I've heard really good things. It sounds like he's really healthy, but it does um, deserve to be mentioned that he was probably, you know, just testing some things out. That's often what happens in these scenarios, right? So keep that in mind. But I'm going to move on that for that because I'm just not overly concerned. As of right now, he's still probably slotted to be in the Padres rotation as the number four guy behind Darvish, behind Snell, and of course behind Joe Musgrove. Instead, I want to talk about another guy. It's Mackenzie Gore. All right. Mackenzie Gore, who is the most confounding prospect I have ever come across in my life. Granted, I am not the ultimate prospect whiz, but just in the sense of this is a guy who is the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Now, most people think it's Grayson Rodriguez. All right. And then he has this like six months from hell 
basically, and he's just mysteriously not pitching. Maybe he was hurt, we don't know. He's got a leg kick issue with his delivery. And then he slowly starts working back up. He had a little bit of a bad uh, stint in the minors and AAA. He didn't do well. But lately, he's been doing a lot better. And in spring training, did pretty good. Reading a tweet from Dennis Lynn now. Mackenzie Gore's spring line, his final line. Nine innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, a walk, and 11 strikeouts. In quotes, every time he pitches like that, we certainly have to take a look and see what the potential potential is going to be. Uh, end quote, Bob Melvin said. Melvin prefers a five-man rotation, but hasn't ruled out six starters to open the season. Um, today was actually, I guess you could say, uh, his least great um, outing. Uh, today he went four innings, giving up three hits, two runs, a walk, and four Ks, but that's still not all that bad. Um, and my buddy Arm Layton, who I mentioned you should go listen to when we talked about him on our Prospects episode, he said, hey, Mackenzie Gore looks good. He was watching him. He's averaging 96 miles per hour on his fastball, and he's touched 99 a few times. And his slider, curveball, and changeup velocity have all been up as well in the early going. So that's really exciting. And everybody needs to keep in mind that this is a young dude. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, just because this guy isn't debuting at the age of 21, you know, that this isn't the next Strasburg. And I say this team is Strasburg only because um, Steven Strasburg, I remember being like this giant thing debuting pretty early, right? And it was being this whole thing. I remember it being like one of the top stories on ESPN and that everybody gets excited. Gore, you know, two years ago was a top pitching prospect. He's only 21. So everyone's saying, what if he debuts this year? And instead he's 23 and he still hasn't quite done that. So the question is, you know, how should you feel about him? Should he be the number five starter in the Padres rotation? My answer to that is a little bit complicated because Throughout this podcast, I've been telling you guys that guys like Abrams and guys like Luis Campizano are prospects that the Padres really shouldn't rush to the major leagues, right? C.J. Abrams hasn't played much above double-A ball. He's got talent up the wazoo. You could go listen to my podcast with Lindsey Crosby from last week about him. He seems like he's going to be a stud. Don't get me wrong. But forcing him into major league action this early when you do have options at shortstop doesn't necessarily make too much sense for me. I understand. That Hassan Kim was a disappointment last year. I mean, the guy just couldn't hit. This is a dude that you're hoping to get like a 220 average on based out like right now, right? That's what you're hoping for. Um, but his defense is really great. I mean, he has the ability to put up like, I don't know, maybe like 28, 30 defensive runs saved this year, which is a great, you know, stat to compare to other shortstops. Like, I think he's going to be pretty dang good there. But even still, um, the hitting leaves a lot to be desired. And a lot of people say, hey, well, C.J. Abrams, he's supposed to be a good fielder too. I get it. But I just don't want to rush him because of what I said about the double-A ball. And then Luis Campizano, same thing. And we literally saw what happened with Luis Campizano when they tried to bring him up a little bit too early. He struggled, hit below 100, and was being pinch hit for in games against the Dodgers, having to hit, go against Kenley Jansen, a guy that barely played above, above A ball, right? Thankfully, he seemed to regain that. And I still want to watch him, and I think it's cool to see what he does in spring training, a little bit of a taste of the future, but nonetheless, you shouldn't be, um, you know, expecting him to debut, especially considering that Victor Caratini is still on the roster, Austin Null is still on the roster, and Jorge Alfaro is on the roster, who we'll be talking about later. But with Mackenzie Gore, I almost feel the opposite of that because I'm not entirely sure if at some point, when when is it too much? development time in the minors at some point you almost want to see what he's got that's just me though maybe you still want him to regain some confidence but hey i was listening to some stuff 
my buddy uh my buddy jack texted me saying he was listening to don and mud of course padres announcers talking about how like gore drove them to the ballpark which just suggests like he's got some confidence back you know what i mean that's just, now don't get me wrong you have to be careful with uh looking into these uh extenuating uh factors extraneous what's the word i don't know what the extraneous no exist I forgot what the word is, but, uh, you know, you can't read too much into that, but it is at least a point to bring up that, hey, he seems like he's got it, man. He goes out there, the velocity's going up, he's trying to prove something at spring training. It's not an idea that should be dismissed out, out of hand, uh, for sure, in my opinion, Mackenzie Gore being the fifth starter. And we're going to break that down a little bit more, but first, guys, because I've already been talking for a while, uh, let me just talk to you really quickly, guys, about Athletic Greens, all right? Athletic Greens is nice, man. It's real, 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 real nice, all right? I started taking Athletic Greens because, you know, I want to be more healthy, want to have more energy, optimize my immune system a little bit more, and I've been trying it for a couple weeks now. No, that's a lie. About a week and a half now. I, I, it's, a, it's a little white lie, and I've enjoyed it. It just makes me feel a little better. You know what I'm saying? 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source, superfoods, pro Pri probiotics, sorry, and adaptogens to help you start your day right when you use athletic greens. Just one scoop of them, guys, and you're getting all that stuff. Why? Why wouldn't you just give it a try, guys? Incorporate it into your life, maybe for me, before I go do my, my daily jog. That's what I like to do. It helps me feel better. And honestly, you know, these days especially, it is very important to be uh, very healthy and whatnot, guys. So be sure to check out Athletic Greens right now. It's time to claim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. That's right, guys. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Go check it out, guys. Now let's continue to talk about Mackenzie Gore, okay? Because a big part of Mackenzie Gore here about whether or not he should be the fifth starter has to do with, well, who else would be the fifth starter? And for once, it's actually a little interesting because the Padres have quite a few options, right? Which might surprise people because last year the Padres' big issue was their pitching depth was just shot, right? Darvish couldn't make a good start. Snell until the last week of the season after they fired Larry Rothschild, you know, coincidentally i don't think so but you know he starts pitching really well only using the fastball and slider so he's there and then he got musgrove musgrove was basically the only reliable starter that the padres had especially in the second half of the season everything was just falling apart but you know you've got clevenger probably locked in there especially in the early going will they limit him and not make him go you know eight innings in certain situations is he a guy that's going to take his time with the inning stuff yes of course but aside from those four guys if you got chris paddock you've got nick martinez and then you've got Hold on, Chris Paddock, Nick Martinez. Who's the last one that I'm forgetting right now? You've got Ryan Weathers, and then you've got Mackenzie Gore. There's a lot of options here, man. This is, like I've said, this is the rare spring training where I'm actually very, very, very much uh, eyeing the developments that happen every day. And Bob Melvin, based on his comments about Mackenzie Gore, he's not dismissing the idea of a six-man rotation. Maybe the Padres should consider that, especially in the early going, and especially considering that Mike Clevenger might need a little bit of time to get in the full swing of things coming off of Tommy John surgery. Maybe this isn't a locked-in ultimate number four. Again, can't overreact too much to the spring training start, but it is something worth bringing up, right? Maybe going to six-man rotation isn't the worst idea because you've also got Denelson Lament in the fold. Maybe you want to do something where it's, 
I don't know, you could do mix and match. You can have Lamet go out there for two, Gore go out there for two, and then Paddock could be a day, right? He can go out for two, three innings, and then you bring in Ryan Weathers for two, three innings. So I actually think that fifth spot for the Padres is fascinating, and it's actually really exciting. And one of the reasons that I'm really confident that the team can actually at least be a little bit better than some are expecting them to be. I talked with my buddy Colby Olson um, back on, what was it, Friday or Monday? Hold on. It was on Monday, right? Yeah, it was It was the last episode. And we were talking about the Padres' odds to win the division, which he's out on, and he's going below 88 wins. I get that. But I really do think that there's a lot of interesting options with this Padres rotation. So a lot of it's going to come based on feel. Personally, out of those four guys, I'm trying not to, you know, be too bullish on this stuff. I'm trying not to say, go out there, Start Mackenzie Gore. Let's see what he's got. He was a top-rated prospect for a reason. I told you, four-plus pitches. He's not a guy that's wiping people away with a fastball. His velocity is not the thing. And one of the reasons he's been compared to Clayton Kershaw is because he has four-plus pitches, right? This is the guy that can throw the curveball, the slider, all this stuff, and a fastball that apparently is going up there in velocity, so he's throwing harder. That shows you that he's gaining a little bit of confidence back. So in my opinion, I would really love to see that because I think there's a lot of upside there. However, let's move on to the next part of this. Nick Martinez got a four-year deal with the Padres. Nick Martinez, who is a guy that I lightly, moderately maybe, like lightly, moderately, like middle of the, hold on. So there's three layers, right? It's like the second layer of the middle one of critiqued when it came to Nick Martinez. And some people were annoyed by that and said, well, he was doing great in Japan. And he's his, he was had an ERA under one and his ERA against the division last time he pitched. All that stuff. My my stance on Nick Martinez is that I think he's definitely an upgrade over what the Padres have had previously. Um, if they intend to use him as a starter, which it sounds like they do, then I'm curious because last time he pitched, again, last time he pitched in Major League Baseball, he was very, very unsuccessful. Is it an improvement in a guy that I would take a flyer on over Vince Velasquez or Jake Arrieta or even... I don't know, any number of other pitchers that are out there starting for Major League Baseball teams? Of course, right? Like, I would much rather have that. But, you know, four-year deal, it's a little just interesting, especially with the opt-outs. It feels like a very not-so-team-friendly contract. So I'm curious to see how that pans out, but it means that the Padres are interested in using him. So whether or not Martinez gets that last slot, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it's definitely something that you need to keep an eye on. And Lamette, same thing. Lamette's got potential up the wazoo, obviously. His slider is one of the best in baseball up there with, you know, um, Lance McCullers, right? Up there with Corbin Burns' slider, like up there with some of the best sliders in the game, but he just can't stay healthy, right? So I think the Padres, I think it's actually quite possible that they go with a six-man rotation. I just like the idea of upside. I like the idea of going for upside right now because this is a team that really needs a spark, right? With Tatis out, the mojo is not there right now right? It doesn't feel like there are many exciting, like, that guy's going to have a big breakout year sort of players on this team. You know what I'm saying? There are, I mean, you got Michael Kopech of the White Sox. You've got Luis Robert of the White Sox, right? You've got other guys in this division. You know what I'm saying? People are excited about, you know, Ryan McMahon, who just got signed to a deal. There's, like, not a lot of positive. We know what we're getting from Manny, right? We know what we're getting from Musgrove. We know what we're getting from some of our guys. I kind of like the idea of a high ceiling guy. And even if he struggles, you could send him back down. You know what I'm saying? It's not the end of the world and you have other arms. So I feel like the options are out there. And I just like the idea of four plus pitches and sending him out there and, you know, just getting excited about it. Maybe if you don't want to, maybe this could be some service time thing. 
Maybe they wait two months and call him up. That's fine too, right? That is a, at least in terms of building your team. I'm not saying I approve of service time manipulation, but in fairness, Gore did go through a stretch where he looked like he was a mess. And to jump in immediately because of some really good spring training starts isn't necessarily what I want to do, no matter how good the stuff looks and the velocity and the pitch mix. But, you know, in a few months, if Nick Martinez doesn't play well, if Chris Paddock doesn't play well, if Lament is unhealthy and doesn't pitch well, whatever we have, and, you know, halfway through the season, hopefully we get Adrian Morajon back, who could be a nice, you know, boosting uh, pitching depth piece. It's it's worth consideration. That's my take. I would like to see Mackenzie Gore as the fifth spot, but I really want to see whether or not Bob Melvin decides we're going six-man because I actually think the Padres are in a situation where they should do it. I really do. I really do, especially considering the health things. I think that this would aid people like Mike Clevenger, you know, even Blake Snell. Blake Snell's a guy that, you know, isn't necessarily the most efficient pitcher out there. So maybe giving them an extra day's rest. That could help the rest of the rotation if you just have this kind of motley crew of uh, four other pitchers for the Padres, maybe even five, that you're just kind of like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen there, you know? And hopefully some boosts coming to the bullpen, the bullpen that I think is being very underrated. I know Pomeranz isn't there. I know Mark Melanson isn't there anymore, but I think the bullpen's underrated. I really like Robert Suarez. I think Luis Garcia was a solid pickup. Both of them combined, I'm hoping, can give us what Mark Melanson gave last year. And Austin Adams hits a lot of guys, but he's still pretty solid. Kevin Copps, friend of the show, who was on the podcast, uh, obviously. Go check him out. I think he could get called up to the major leagues as well. I think they've got some boosts in the bullpen. I'm really not worried about the bullpen. So for me, six-man rotation, I'm kind of in, man. I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in, and I really want to see Mackenzie Gore uh, perform at Major League level. I, I think at some point, you have to just be like, what does he have? But again, that's just me. But before we talk about something that, uh, you know, is a little bit of a silly topic and whatnot, before we talk about Jorge Alfaro and then ending with Trent Grisham, guys, let me talk to you about something that is not silly. Not silly in the slightest. All right. You know why? Because it's a guarantee. Guarantees aren't silly. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about the best protein bars in all the land, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking built bars. They're the best, man. Right? Athletic greens, they keep you healthy. These things keep you healthy too. Check out the macros for built bars, guys. Most of them contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Not too bad. Not too bad. Now, if you compare that to a candy bar, that usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of of net carbs. So you're vibing. And the best thing is that they're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Don't worry about being like, oh man, but they don't taste as good. They do, ladies and gentlemen. What I like them about, you know, I've been talking about these things for months. What I like above all else though is a great variety of flavors, ladies and gentlemen. They got mint brownie. They got coconut. Coconut brownie chunk. Apple almond crisp. Cookies and cream. Eggnog. Gingerbread. Strawberry. They got them all. Whatever you want. They're kind of like the Ben and Jerry's of, of Built Bars. They, they just they got all the flavors that you're in the mood for. So go check them out for sure, guys. Uh, I've been talking about these things for literally like two years, ever since I've done this podcast. And I get excited every time I talk about them because they're really on me. Even if I'm recording this late at night. I just, I need one. I need one right now just talking about it. You know what I'm saying? You, you want to tuck in the covers. You get under the covers and you're just like, oh man, I need a Built Bar. You know what I mean, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, but seriously, guys, go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I don't know why I went into the Wolfman voice, Wolfman radio voice there, but uh, I did. Whatever. I guess it's because we're about to be talking about a weird topic, which is Jorge Alfaro, ladies and gentlemen. 
Jorge Alfaro. Let me tell you what he's doing in spring training so far. He's slashing 400, 438 with a slugging 1.267. Yeah. Um, so Jorge Alfaro has been awesome. On Monday, he went two for four with a home run, a double, and four RBIs in a Cactus League win over the White Sox. He's been killing his spring training, right? He's been killing his spring training, um, and that's really kind of where I want to end the conversation. He's been killing it in spring training. Now, I will say, what does need to be brought up here, of, of aside from the fact that he's doing well in spring training, yes, he has the power. Yes, he has the build. Jorge Alfaro has the highest swinging strike percentage in Major League Baseball history. I.e., when he's swinging, he's not hitting the ball or even making contact more specifically. He is just swinging away, swinging away. And I talked about earlier, you know, spring training is when pitchers like to test things out. You know, pitches that they maybe never used before because they just want to kind of get some reps and see what this looks like and see what this looks like. It's practicing. It's practice. It's We're talking about practice, man. And Jorge Alfaro is just mashing practice. So, again, if the Padres are planning on using this to determine who should be their catcher, okay. And I understand that Jorge Alfaro could play left field, but I'm not. I'm, I'm just not seeing it for the aforementioned reasons. He's not a good catcher defensively. He's not a good left fielder defensively. He just happens to play there. You know what I'm saying? The Marlins, if they could, would have put Jorge Alfaro at shortstop. That's how ridiculous that franchise and organization can be sometimes. So you shouldn't look into that too much, aside from like if you're in a super deep fantasy league like me, uh, where it was 16 teams, and I drafted Alfaro somewhat for the memes, but he's eligible for catcher in left field, so I fed eh, it's funny. Like, I'll use him for like a week, and then when he inevitably probably falls off, then I'll just drop him. But that's the thing with Alfaro, uh, a cautionary tale. Am I saying he's going to be terrible? No. But I do think that the Padres, you know, I talked about Campizano. I think that the trade for Alfaro has some AJ Preller roots. I don't think that's a good thing. I think he's kind of just so inclined to his guys, you know, with Nick Martinez and Jorge Alfaro being the big ones, like he's very much attached to the people that he worked with over at Texas, uh, for better and worse. I think that Alfaro... As your third catcher, potentially, Victor Caratini is the catcher for you, Darvish, at least as of now. And Austin Nola, Austin Nola's not like in the top tier of starting catchers uh, in Major League Baseball. I don't even think he's a top 15 starting catcher. He maybe has the upside of a top 15 only because he's a guy that could potentially hit you like 280. I mean, that guy was like doing really well. Austin Nola was like batting just as a bat pretty well. He just doesn't have any pop in his bat which is a little bit unfortunate, but he plays a decent defense and he also is uh, unhealthy, which is like why, uh, you know, the Padres probably needed some reinforcements at catch. That's probably why they made the little move for Jorge Alfaro. We'll see what happens again. um, I want to see how the team manages this. I'm excited to see what Bob Melvin decides, but I would not get my hopes up Padres fans. I know it's easy to because Jorge Alfaro at one time had a little bit more higher prospect pedigree. And then the idea of him moving to another place, I know that can be exciting, but keep your temper, you know, your tempers, uh, um, temper your expectations, I should say. And speaking of kind of the left field thing, also the Padres traded for Matt Beatty, who's a guy that basically was, you know, kind of a leftover from the from the Dodgers. Whether or not he makes a team, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but the Padres should trade for him. So it shows you they're they're likely probably trying to use a little bit of a committee approach in left field. Maybe they'll use Profar sometimes. Maybe they'll use Matt Beatty. Maybe they'll use Jorge Alfaro. I I really hope they don't, guys. Go look up some Jorge Alfaro of defensive highlights in left field. Not great. So maybe he's going to be a guy that plays there. But for the most part, uh, there's nothing all that sort of exciting. 
uh, when it comes to left field. I know some, I talked about Michael Conforto early on in the year, but I don't know what's going on uh, like at all Um, for, for the Padres when it comes to, or I'm sorry for Michael Conforto, uh, that guy, it's like a week away and he still hasn't signed with the team. Like this is insane. I just drafted him in fantasy baseball. I don't know why I did that. Probably because at one point Francisco Lindor got taken from me. And then I just went full meme, just taking ridiculous players. How do you get Will Myers and Joe Musgrove though? You know, one of those guys will be really, really great. The other one, he's just cool. So we like him, I guess. But anyway, so that's my kind of takeaway on that. Um, Alfaro, don't freak out about his spring training thing. The same way we shouldn't freak out about Mike Clevenger. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. I'd be surprised if he's like the starting catcher. But again, with the Padres having some injuries in some weird spots, having such a weirdly constructed roster, expect him to get some some type of playing time at some point. And the last thing I want to talk about really quickly was Trent Grisham. Um, I'm still trying to do a full-fledged episode on Trent Grisham at some point. I know I've been teasing that for a while just to give my breakdown on him. I'm sorry. But uh, Trent Grisham really is one of the biggest X-Factors this year. And... For a good reason. I mean, Trent Grisham, that trade was viewed as one of Preller's best, right? Uh, currently, Preller's best trade has been the Jake Cronenworth trade, and it has been the um, the trade for Joe Musgrove. Those are his two best moves as of recently, right? And Tatis, but you guys get what I'm saying. I'm talking about like recent, like this past year or so, right? Jake Cronenworth, Joe Musgrove. The Trent Grisham trade, they gave up Luis Arias and Eric Lauer. And Luis Arias, not a bad player, not a bad defender, decent kind of guy on a winning team, you know, especially if you have a lot of great players. And Eric Lauer, he would have been better than a lot of the guys that the Padres had last year, even if he maybe overperformed a little bit as a more, a little bit of a ground ball guy sometimes, a little bit of a ground ball pitcher. But nonetheless, Grisham, all of a sudden, that trade isn't looking as sexy as it did heading into 2021. So he needs to bounce back. And one of the big questions that I've been wondering is whether or not he should lead off. And for years, or at least for the past season or so, this has been the question is, why do they lead off Tatis instead of Trent Christian? And I think that I should just explain really quickly why I think that they were doing that. It's a couple of different reasons. The game flow thing, game flow thing, meaning when you are the leadoff hitter, especially at the beginning of the game, teams tend to throw you fastballs uh, because they don't want to put you on base to start off a game. It's a game flow thing. It's a strategy thing. So they tend to throw you a lot more fastballs, right? No matter who the pitcher is for the most part. Um, you see more fastballs and Tatis, uh, everybody knows he crushes fastballs. He crushes everything. First of all, you could throw that thing in, uh, to where I am apparently, and he could hit a home run out of it, but you see more fastballs, which could potentially lead to more total bases, more home runs, whatever higher WRC plus all of his numbers kind of showed that at one point. Um, and the other thing is he gets more plate appearances with Trent Grisham. When you look at the current team, I don't really see there's that there's another option as a leadoff hitter. Hassan Kim, maybe, right? But he doesn't hit well enough, and he doesn't see enough pitches. Trent Grisham, he's got a good eye at the plate. He does strike out, and he does whiff a decent amount at pitches that he shouldn't, especially it's kind of the upper inside corner, uh, and it really frustrates the heck out of me. But currently on the Padres roster, I don't really see anyone that makes sense here. May Machado, you're not batting him leadoff because he's not the best base runner in the world. It's the only, it's the Achilles heel of Manny Machado. You know what I mean? We love him, but that's the one, I think, weakness that he has, right? Jake Cronenworth, uh, it could work. It could work. Tommy Pham, he ain't on the Padres anymore, right? That would that that guy was definitely a kind of a traditional leadoff hitter because he's a guy that could see a lot of pitches. He was not going to swing at bad stuff, and he can draw walks, and he can run really fast on the bases, all that stuff, right? But he's not here anymore. You could say Will Myers. 
Will Myers maybe, but he strikes out a little bit too much, right? Will Myers unfortunately strikes out a little bit too much. So with Grisham, I just think that the upside is a guy who hits you 250, 240, 240, 250, and has like a 350 sort of on-base percentage. That's what I thought he was going to do last year and hit around like 28 home runs, steal 20 bags, and play a good defense. That's a really top-level player, top 50 player in baseball. He did not do that. He started off on fire, and then he did not do that. Again, something we'll have to talk about. But I do think there's a decent amount of pop in Grisham's bat. I think that there's more than we saw last year. And I just think that you have to you have to run with him. He's going to see more pitches than anybody else. And yes, he's not as intimidating as some other leadoff hitters in the league, right? You know, you've got your Trey Turners out there. You've got even your Chris Taylors. You've got your, heck, you've got your, uh, who leads off for the White Sox? Like your Tim Andersons and pe- people like that, right? Who are just going to be those batting average slapstick players that are just going to be awesome to start off your inning with, right? But I think Grisham can be that, right? I think he should be the leadoff guy. I think he's got a hint more pop. And I just think he had a bad season because everybody on the Padres had a bad season, guys. Like everybody was a mess last year. It didn't make any sense, man. Doesn't make any sense, man. So, in my opinion, that's what you should expect for the Padres for the leadoff spot. Uh, I think Gresham can do it. Um, and when Tatis gets back, that'll be a different question. Uh, we'll see if somehow the Padres make any other moves. But again, that's that's where we are. That is where we are. So expect that to happen for the um, Padres. Expect Trent Gresham to be the leadoff hitter, and I don't hate it because I think. The upside is a guy that can get on base, steal some bases, be a good base runner, and even every now and then hit you a nice home run to start start things off. And to be honest, the Padres don't really have many other options unless they were to call up C.J. Abrams. That's that's one of the guys maybe Profar, but mostly C.J. Abrams because of that speed, because of the high prospect stuff. I could see him being the guy the Padres could potentially lead off, but I don't think they're going to use him to start off, at least for, for a while, at least for a little bit while. He's probably a player of the future, but not for now. Um, yeah, that basically does it, guys. Kind of a all over the place sort of grab bag, uh, you know, kind of super Sunday, a bunch of scoops of a different into your ice cream Sunday uh, topics on today's episode. For the future of this podcast, guys, before we get into that, let me just tell you, go check out the Locked On MLB podcast hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully, uh, talking about your past and present of the major leagues, everything going on. He's great, uh, and I'm definitely going to be on that podcast soon myself. Um, and in terms of the future of this pod, like I said, planning to do an episode dedicated entirely to Trent Grisham. I'm going to be doing probably tomorrow a breakdown in every category for the NL West. And what I mean by that is we're going to be talking about starting rotation, the bullpen, the lineup, fielding and defense, the, the manager, that's an interesting one, right? And then the overall finish, kind of going to be breaking that down over the next uh, week or so until opening day. And then, you know, um, that's that's basically uh, about it, man. It's basically about it. Uh, it's it's going to be a good time. We're almost there. We're almost there. And, of course, when we get, like, the opening day starter news and we find out the full rotation, you, of course, guys, Lockdown Potters is your place to go. But with that all being said, that about does it. For today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast's from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at L-O underscore Padres on Twitter for the show's account, and Lockdown Padres on YouTube if you want to see me wearing my Pikachu cosplay that I happen to be using uh, seemingly on every episode. Let's try and get to 300 subs before opening day. Is it possible? Maybe not, but whatever. Still, go check that out, guys. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. Fire faithful, homies. Take care.